0: Hey, welcome to the Comic Syllabus Podcast. This is Paul, and today I want to talk about my favorite comics series of 2019. Um, As we've come to the end of the year, y'all may be thinking about holiday gifts, or you may be uh, reading all of these best of lists. You may be looking back at the year and trying to catalog your own reading about what stood out this year. I just want to share some of mine. These were the series that jumped out to me this year as my favorite of the year. I won't necessarily claim they're the best of the year and I have a long honorable mentions list to throw onto the back of it. Um, but that's what we're doing today. My name is Paul um, and you are at the uh, the Comics Syllabus Podcast as the one and only Kate Kosturski of Multiversity called, once called us the NPR of Multiversity Podcasts. <laughs> um, maybe that means boring, um, but uh, here I am and I'm here to talk about comics, that's uh, what we do. Um, this podcast is regularly a part of the Multiversity network of podcasts which can be found at multiversitycomics.com uh, a great site for interviews and reviews and you know um, long form think pieces other podcasts that cover everything from Star Wars to um to to um, you know alternative and indie comics to um, Marvel and DC stuff all kinds of stuff out there in the comics world. You can find it at multiversitycomics.com, including what we here hear, uh, we do try to do here at this podcast: uh, stumble over our words and uh, have some below par sound quality. I gotta apologize. I've been futzing with my um, computers and my devices for the last, uh, you know, way too long than I, longer than I care to 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 tell you. I'm trying to get things to work as I move things around a little bit in my home. So sorry for the Inferior sound quality today. Um, hope you'll tolerate it um, as we dive in. Um, I just want to shout out uh, all of y'all who have been um, just getting in touch to 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 say that you're glad that the comic syllabus is back um, as we've been going this fall and into the winter. And this year, um, you know, it's been it was a good year in comics. I think um, I was so busy in the first half of it that I had trouble keeping up. Um, but as I've been catching up on my reading in the year um, and thinking about the various books. I wanted to devote a few episodes in the last ones of this year to um, to the best of what I've read out there. Um, to again, some of my maybe quirky and eccentric favorites. But um, hey, that's my right. <laughs> as, as the as the podcaster here. Um, but I hope that you know this list gives you some some fodder for what you might want to check out that you haven't read or things that you had on the back burner that you want um, to 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 check out or or, or to finish up. Um, These were things that I really um, thought were exceptional this year. Um, 10 series and a bunch of honorable mentions. Next episode in two weeks, I'm going to talk about my favorite graphic novels um, and alternative and indie comics of the year. Uh, And then the episode after that, the, the very end of the year, maybe the first one next year. I'm not sure exactly how the calendar plays out, but I think I do have one coming at the end of the year um, in late December, I want to talk about my favorite uh, comics of the decade. I'm going to go through all the 2010s and my favorite things. So hey listeners, if you have any um, of your lists of your own or lists that you have enjoyed um, as the internet has been producing these best of lists um, or uh, you have some of your own opinions about favorite series, favorite graphic novels, favorites of the decade, um, send them my way. I'm at uh, twoply at gmail by email, or you can Twitter, you can Twitter me at at uh, twoplai also also there on Instagram. Um, all right, so my favorites of the year. Let's let's launch into this. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Uh, first thing I want to say is just that, um, you know, I, I kind of have my 10 favorites paired up in these little couples. And it, it, not intentionally, it just kind of happened this way that my favorites wound up working in these little pairings. So, um, so I, I'll introduce these in those pairings. Uh, and uh, and I noticed some patterns and some themes, actually, in what I'm reading, so I'll kind of take notes, uh, 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 take note of those as I go through this here. Alright, first pairing is two series that have been uh, at the top of my favorite comics lists for a few years now, but this year saw them both come to uh, magisterial close. The first one is Giant Days by John Allison and um, art primarily by Max Ceren this year. Um, Giant Days reached issues 54-ish or something like that, just an incredibly consistent output of humor and lightness and heart and personality as we saw the um, the closing days of the college career of our three heroes that uh, we've been following for several years. Year after year, um, John Allison and Lisa Trayman and then Max Saren's work uh, with Cut Colors by Whitney Coger and Letters by Jim Campbell um, from Boom Studios. Um, Giant Days has been providing just a monthly dose of something really different in comics, um, and I would say different from what you know the the typical comic shop fair has been, but not atypical from what I've always loved about comics when it comes to say like newspaper cartoons, uh, newspaper comic strips, or um, you know alternative and independent comics. Um, and, and and what I mean by that is just um, a kind of personality that um, sparkles off the page, that um, just jumps out and, and, and really um, comes to life. Um, Giant Days is a series that, if you don't know about it, is about three uh, young women in uh, in England who have um, started uh, attending university, Esther De Groot and Susan Ptolemy and Daisy Wooten. And even as I say their names, I know that y'all who have been reading Giant Days and maybe you started the series and didn't get to the end. Uh, maybe you were faithfully there month after month, like I was. Um, I know that the the feels are already rippling through your hearts, and you're thinking, "I gotta, I gotta wrap up the 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 university careers of these three um, absolutely uh, uh, adorable characters. Um, they're just characters that sort of." you know, come to win you over um, because there's just so much bracing honesty in this book and um, they're hilarious and their surrounding casts are hilarious and the situations are hilarious uh, and so, so relatable if you've been through those years of college and, and post-college and early adulthood life um, and their their <laughs> travails with um, romance and, and and success and um, uh, status and all that, you know, the regrettable mistakes you make um, and just uh, all done to hilarious effect Uh, Max Saren's art and Lisa Trayman before uh, them were just uh, really uh, animating these characters with a kind of life that made every issue feel like you were spending time with people you loved people you really enjoyed being with Um, and you know even if you hated them you you loved hating them so Giant Days has just been, again, this like power punch of soul every month that um, I was really sad to see it come to an end, but all good things must. And I know John Allison now working on series like uh, Steeple, um, Max Saren will be around, uh, including in my my Twitter, um, what do you call it? Profile pic, uh, credit to Max Saren for that, that uh, little rendition of me there. And I just, um, I'll miss Giant Days. I already do, I already do. And I love the way that it played up all the notes of humor that in in its ending uh, and the way that it wrapped up and uh, sort of, um, you know, give us a a, a nice parting shot with the days gone by issue. Um, And if you have not read Giant Days, I envy you because you have a journey ahead of you that um, you're going to enjoy. So uh, Giant Days, one of my favorite series of this year, one of my favorite series indeed of the whole decade and uh, something that I'll treasure on my shelf for a long, long time um the other series that's actually quite different that also ended this year um maybe y'all thinking on that i'm gonna go go at a uh, 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 squirrel girl which almost made it to my list i gotta say that's actually gonna be so so much an honorable mention i'm gonna i'm not even gonna save it for the honorable mentions i'm just gonna talk about it now <laughs> squirrel girl which is ryan north and derek charm lately um I think some other artists too, but of course Eric Henderson once upon a time um has also had a magnificent run, also came to a close this year. Um we're gonna miss Squirrel Girl. I think it's appropriate that you're sort of closing the book on on Squirrel Girl without um North's character like really distinct humor and, and, and sensibility uh on the book anymore. Um, but like I said, I think the character is going to be around. I think the creators are around and doing other brilliant things. So um, hats off to Squirrel Girl as well. But that's not actually my second uh, a pick. My second pick of uh, favorite series this year uh, is Paper Girls. Um, Paper Girls is uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. And uh, of course, designer and letter Jared Fletcher and colorist Matt Wilson's uh, story that when it started, I think four or five years ago, really brought those of us who grew up in the 80s back um to the to that era in a way that i think um you know few things did um and many things since have and most notably uh stranger things as i've heard i've never actually watched strangers things i know i know So it's, it's uh it's 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 heresy but um i have loved paper girls um ha- and having grown up in that time and really ha- having thought a lot about um everything from gender roles to Um, the place of technology as we grew up and technology changed before our eyes and changed us before our eyes. Um, Paper Girls has just been a thrill ride. And uh, I think what I've loved about it is that at first, I thought it was just going to be, you know, from all of the The um, art that we saw, um, just kind of a a nostalgic throwback, but it's actually been a sci-fi and future time traveling thrill ride. And again, if you haven't read Paper Girls, you are lucky because you are in for something that not only um, sets out to tell a fascinating story, but actually um, packs in all of that fun and excitement and twists and turns into the entire story and wraps up perfectly in a bow, Um, issue 30 man, it really hit me. Um, I mean, I think there's endings you can do poorly and endings you can do well. And I think this was uh, one of the more um, successful endings of, of, of comic series that I've read. Didn't overstay its welcome at all. Um, wrapped up most of the mysteries uh, pretty neatly. I would say that like, uh, like some of the series whose endings I like a lot, um, they, they, I think the, the creators really went not so much for all of the answers to all the questions uh, being tied up neatly in a bow, but for the satisfying emotional and relational punch that um, I've loved, even with a series like Lost, where I still have no idea what anything uh, you know was on that island, but I, I was one of those who, who appreciated that uh, what Linda Lindelof and company did with Lost was tie things together um, in terms of the characters and in terms of their uh, commitments uh, and bonds to each other, and I think Paper Girls um, put those at the center, put the the, the relationships of these uh, four girls at the center, and um, just ended things in a way that w- you know left the kind of lingering sense of um, I don't know echoes of 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 what could have been and what never was. That is just kind of the the sense of the the feeling of lost in- innocence. That is so characteristic of 80s, you know, pop culture and sci-fi. Um, but um, also, you know, had these nods to who the characters were and what they'd experienced together. That I just, I thought that ending was um, just really, uh, you know, landed, landed so well. So, Paper Girls is another of my favorites of 2019. Um, and again, one of those things that if you haven't read it or if you're thinking about gifts. That you can give someone those big deluxe editions of those paper, paper girls um, collections, or even the the trade paperbacks. It um, just looks so solid. Uh, it's gorgeous art by Cliff Chang. I think for me, Cliff Chang's art has always um, spoke for itself. He's one of my favorite artists, without a doubt. Um, not only for the quality of his art, and I love that thick lined uh, style of his, that sort of um, that sort of neo um, abstraction. But I also think that. Matt Wilson's coloring has been just perfect on the book. so um, Love that vibe and sad to see Paper Girls go, um, but glad that it ended as, as well as it did. So those are my first two favorites. I turn now to another pair, and it's a pair that I think may be um, maybe, uh, a little bit surprising. They're actually the only two DC and Marvel series on this list, although a whole bunch of DC and Marvel show up on my honorable mentions. Um, and the, the the DC book I want to talk about is Batman Universe, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis and with art by Nick Darrington. Um, and you know, Batman Universe is um, a collection of the stuff, these short story, these short um, bits that came out originally in this unique Walmart uh, Batman comic. like DC was for a while going a direct doing like these direct to Walmart. Little 100-page-ish, I think, um, comics that had some old stuff and some new stuff, right? And, uh, like, uh, in these Walmart comics, Tom King, who is Batman's writer, was writing Superman. And then Brian Michael Bendis, who is Superman's writer, was writing Batman, right? <laughs> and so it was kind of a funny thing. And at first, it was kind of a Walmart exclusive. And I, being the uh, person who never wants to set foot in a Walmart, like, was not, did not have the privilege of reading... Um, uh, these stories, even though um, I'm a huge fan of, of Brian Michael Bendis. Um, Bendis is, if you don't know, one of um, Marvel's superstars of the 2000s, who in a very um, surprise move that really rocked the industry, moved over from Marvel to DC uh, last last year. And with that shift, um, became the the writer of uh, Superman, uh, Superman comics and action comics, and also um, created or brought over a bunch of characters and series Um, series like Cover and Pearl that were part of his Jinx World line and also uh, the Wonder Comics line that was more appealing to younger readers with these great new titles and characters like Naomi um, and Doll Age for Hero and stuff like that but um, you know uh, really applauded I think Um, you know not everybody is a fan of everything that Bendis has done at DC but uh, on the whole, overall, DC's, uh, you know, really been revived, I think, by Bendis' presence. And I think Bendis' career has really been rejuvenated by moving over to DC and being able to play in the sandbox. Um, anyway, with all of that quality of, I, and I'm, I really love Naomi and I really loved um, his Superman work and event Leviathan, whatever that turned out to be, <laughs> it was, a, it was a nice nicely set up event. I think my favorite Bendis thing at DC has been, you know, oddly, this, like, this little offshoot Batman thing that he did with Nick Darrington in these Walmart comics. Um, again, not a Walmart guy. So I didn't get to read these until they've been collected lately in, these, in this Batman Universe series. So the five issues of the story has been um, just an absolute treat. So um, I don't know how to describe this, but you know how there's different Batmans, right? There's peop- There's the Batman of... The uh, you know Adam West 77 TV show, and then there's the Batman who's sort of the Dark Knight of Frank Miller's time, and then there's the Batman who's sort of like the 1950s you know space and rainbow Batman you know, um, and then there's the Batman um, of of uh, the the animated series, and and, and there's all these Batmans, and, and I gotta say some I think I like more, and some I like, I like less, but I think what Bendis and Darrington have done blended so many of the elements that I like the most about these various Batman and I would say that of all those that I named it probably veers closest to that 1950s um, kind of a wild ride like Batman on the edge of his seat being thrown around to this universe and that and really having to rely on his wits um Batman Universe really does kind of take him across the universe and time to encounter all kinds of different um, villains and and fellow superheroes. Um, And it's just a bit like of a throwback, actually, in terms of the kind of story it is. Um, Just a lot of fun, um, really wacky. Uh, and, and I think the kind of thing where you don't really have to be up on what the heck is going on with the Green Lantern Corps right now, or or you know what um, new costume does Superman have, to really just dive in, you know, whatever you've picked up from uh, old comics or from the the, the cartoons or the movies or whatever is enough, generally to to get you through, and and you know just hold lightly to feeling like you have to understand everything that's going on because it doesn't matter, it's just gonna take uh, take you on a twist to a new place, and uh, and I think all of that is. Um, uh, I think most, uh, uh, you know, driven home or, or or maybe given its flavor by Nick Darrington's art. If you don't know who Nick Darrington is, he's the artist who um, brought his talents and really emerged on the scene with um, uh, the the new Doom Patrol by Gerard Way when Gerard Way started the Young Animal line, and Nick Darrington was the main artist on that. Darrington also did the covers to the Mr. Miracle series from um, Tom King and Mitch Jarrods, and Darrington has has quickly become one of my my uh, my favorite artists. Um I have a page of Nick Darrington art sitting right in front of my eyes right here from Doom Patrol and I just love um his style. It's it's just this right combination of the really um supple and 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 lively and vivid stylings of uh, Frank Whiteley, um if you know who that is. Uh, along with a little bit of the cartooniness and a little bit of that sort of like elasticity of, of, of someone like Darwin Cook, and um, just really um, spare, but classic uh, compositions and storytelling of artists that I really enjoy like Evan Shainer or, um, or um, uh, Chris Samney. So I, I like Nick Darrington's art a lot, and Batman universe landed in one of my favorite spots one of my spots for my favorites. <laughs> Fourth one I'll talk about is the Marvel book. And this series uh, is Black Panther, written by Tana nehisi Coates, um, with art this year by Kev Walker um, and Jen Bartel, and then original artist of this run, Daniel Acuna. And this past year, I think it's been the majority of the 18 issues of this current series of Black Panther. So. Um, Tanasi Coates, who um, you know, folks should know, and, and anybody who listens to this podcast knows, I'm a huge fan of cultural commentator and um, and now you know, fiction writer um, and just uh, MacArthur genius and absolutely um, brilliant and one of our one of our um, I think public intellectuals and and you know, social prophets of um, uh, uh, of matters of race and justice and, and history and and all that um, and I think he's brought that kind of social vision to bear on Black Panther since he started writing it uh, a few years back, um, right after he received his MacArthur Genius Grant, in fact. Um, But in a a typical Marvel DC kind of move, uh, after a number of issues, a number of, of volumes collected in trade of Coates' Black Panther run, they sort of did a reboot and so last year, I think in 2018, they started with uh, the series that they kind of called the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda, and started a new number one, Black Panther number one, um, still written by Coates, um, but this time with art by Daniel Acuna, uh, instead of the uh, original artist Brian Stelfries and 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 Chris Sprouse from the last last run of Black Panther, um, and I gotta say I've really enjoyed um, where Coates took it, and and, and Coates took Black Panther in a, a story that, where he had, you know, built on the past, but really fleshed out the, the politics and the contradictions and the sort of, um, you know, the the um, the ambivalences of power that are that entailed are entailed in this notion of a kingdom and, and a superhero who is the king of a nation, um, but uh, a, a king who is purportedly in a nation that is purportedly about its people. And about um, you know counteracting the sort of colonialist and imperialist impulses of other powers in the world, Wakanda is this like you know Afrofuturist vision of hope and and, and of strength and of you know technological prowess and possibility um, in Africa, right? But um, what Coates did fascinatingly, Coates and company, Coates and creators did is that. Um, introduced, uh, this story that really took us out of the setting that we were used to Black Panther being in and just sort of threw us into a kind of amnesiacs, um, tale where we found a character who seemed very T'Challa-like, um, but was actually a slave in a slave ship in space. So all of a sudden it was like Star Wars, you know? Um, and, um, but, but the, the, um, the setting of the uh, the new Black Panther series was again this like slave who was who joined a rebellion um, against an empire, and that empire was actually a, an intergalactic, a space empire of Wakanda, and so the the background of the story goes that Wakanda sent uh, you know a contingent of, of of folks into space, and that contingent grew and colonized planets and became a kind of you know, um, power hungry empire, um, ex- exerting the same kinds of control over the various planets and alien races that, um, you know, imperial and colonial powers here in our world, in our planet have exercised, you know, for centuries. And, and it, what's so fascinating about um, this is the ways that uh, Coates has used futuristic sci-fi to examine, again... These questions of empire and of, of slavery, um, of rebellion and freedom, of resistance and power, um, but really sort of turned around the situation uh, for T'Challa and for his, his, his allies um, and the meanings of Wakanda um, and really posed some interesting and characteristically politically deep questions about these, uh, these issues of um, empire and leadership Of heroism and um, and you know what it means to stand to to represent the people and so Black Panther um, this past year um, was uh, drawn uh, in large part in the second arc of this run because you know we went from issues 1 to 18 and this last year of course uh, was was the last 12 of those and um, Kev Walker provided the art to a lot of those and Kev Walker was uh, was kind of a departure from Daniel Acuna. Daniel Acuna has this very like slick uh, I don't know if "slicks" the right word. It's it's actually a little bit um, muddy and sketchy in some places, but there's a there's a kind of raw, rough realism to Acuna's art, whereas uh, you know, r- reminiscent for me of of great artists like Lionel Francis Hugh and stuff like that. Um, where Kev Walker has a, a little bit more of a cartoony style, and um, and where I think Acuna's tone was nice for setting things up. But as Kev Walker and then in a few uh, fill-in issues Jen Bartel brought their talents, I feel like they actually sort of brought out a little bit more of the humanity that um, was at stake. You know, the, the, the sort of questions of humanity and dignity and um, power and peer relationships and, and, and uh, you know, that were really at stake in this, in, in this intergalactic empire of Wakanda story. So I um, loved it this last year, sort of gripped week by week sorry, month by month, <laughs> that's how comics work, Paul, <laughs> um, uh, to, to see how the story unfolded. And without wanting to get too much away, because I really want you to enjoy it, um, Coates does sort of ground the story back in familiar trappings of the Marvel Universe, and I think that's really, really interesting. Um, all that is hinted from, from, the, from the start. Um, So, you know, again, not giving it too much away, we get these visions that this uh, enslaved T'Challa has of uh, of Aurora, of Storm. Uh, And we know that they have a relationship going on in the the, um, previous Black Panther series and stuff. So uh, anyway, it does land back in familiar ground. Uh, It's kind of doing that right now. Um, But meanwhile, it goes to explore something really fascinating. So check out Black Panther. All right. That's the first four. Got those down. Um, Maybe I'll take, take a little bit of a break, and then we'll come back and do the last six in the honorable mentions. Hello, podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week, we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my no wife, bad to end to deal impressions, this is bad? What the f? And an in depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Juergens with us. Okay, numbers five and six of my favorites of 2019 are a couple of crime and detective series. And the first one, uh, as soon as I said crime and detective, I bet a bunch of you knew where I was going with this. It's Criminal from Image Comics um, by the uh, unmistakable team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. if y'all don't know, uh, you better ask somebody. <laughs> Baker and Phillips have been kind of a, a, a pairing for a long time. And if you read any of the previous, I don't know, six, seven volumes of their um, work on Criminal, then you'll know. Um, if you read The Fade Out, uh, which there was like a three-volume run that they did, a little sub-series, a little series of its own, a little short series, mini-series, Uh, about, you know, tales of Hollywood, of of old-time Hollywood, then you know. Um, If you read Kill or Be Killed, which is a recent and more modern and kind of dark and and, uh, perhaps demonic uh, tale about, um, you know, the the evil within us, uh, then you'll know. Um, and, And they've brought this kind of Crime and Noir style to to now uh, a bunch of stories that they have some variety within them, but there's a certain tone in. It. And I gotta say, as much as as I'm always absorbed and compelled to read, um, uh, uh, Brubaker and Phillips series, I was I always need to take a little of a break after I read them, uh, read of them, read them a lot. I feel a little icky. Um, I feel like I've just gotten you know uh, sort of rubbed around with the dark underbelly of humanity, so I need to sort of like revisit uh, a sense of of hope <laughs> and and uh and love and all of that stuff um but uh, oh, only so that i can have a fresh mind to kind of dive back into this world where um uh so criminal has been i should say in its prior, prior volumes um a bunch of mini series that um, you know came out in single issues and then collected into trades, uh, which is how I read them. I read them as as trades, um, and they all have that sort of uh, crime story noirish feel to them, and um, and introduced a set of characters that were connected to each other in various ways. And so, what what uh, these creators announced after they finished Kill or Be Killed is that they were coming back to Criminal, coming back to that world, coming back to that set of characters, and that they were going to. Uh, turn it into an ongoing. I thought that was really interesting uh, because these creators had so well perfected this craft of telling these self-contained stories, right? It was a a sort of open sandbox world of connected characters, but it was like each story had this tightness to them that was just like, you know, so much like the the hard-boiled crime novels um, and and they were so sort of packaged in these self-contained ways and I was wondering like what would it look like to be a bigger ongoing series where you're just going to make a story very sprawling Um, and so in the 10 issues of Criminal that came out this year uh, that's kind of what they did they they really um, introduced these various nodes of the story uh, across even across generations we come back and revisit Teague Lawless um, who was one of the criminal protagonists if you can call them anti-heroes of criminal and uh we then we jump ahead in time to his sons uh then we jump to this uh, set of uh you know this sort of um old-time classic cartoonist and who, who sort of wrapped up gets mixed up in some crime stuff um and and somehow it's all going to get tied together in the middle of there there was like a seven or eight issue story uh six or seven issue story um but altogether, you know just to be back in this world and to get you know, like like I was saying earlier, Giant Days is this monthly dose of like humor and heart and humanity. Criminals, this like monthly dose of just like grimy, you know, grimy criminal underbelly world. And um, and I'm here for it. I mean, the, these guys really know how to do that um, well. So I've enjoyed um, being back in, uh, in <laughs> being back in the criminal, uh, criminal, dingy criminal, dark, dark uh uh you know underworld that they've <laughs> pulled me back into. Um so that's that's one of my favorite series this year. The other one is um more of a, a PI private investigator kind of series um but a really different one and it's it's a, a series from Image called Fair Lady. Um I say it this way because I think it may not be as known to anybody. Fair Lady is was a five issue series that um sadly came and went this year. Um, between April and the summer and I think sales uh, even though like critical response was really good sales were not high enough to really sustain it as an as the kind of more ongoing series that they hoped it would be which is part of the reason I put it on a list like this because I would just love to see a revival of Fair Lady the five issues are collected now in a trade um, and uh, and I just really loved it the combination again of writing and art in this written by Brian Shermer with art by Marissa Louise and Claudia Balboni um, uh, Fair Lady is basically a PI story, uh, uh, an episodic and procedural story that is set in a fantasy world. And so, in the cover, you see um, Jenner, who is a sort of ex-soldier who is trying to make her way as a PI. Um, that sounds familiar, you know. Sounds like so many great PI stories, um, but it has that sort of um, feminist bent, where in a uh, a world that is still riddled with um, misogyny of different kinds. Jenner nonetheless is tough um, and, and, you know, solves problems for herself and doesn't take off from anyone Um, and has a buddy. I forget this cat character's name, but it's got a cat head. And uh, doesn't actually show up that often in the stories, but is perfect on the cover for giving you a picture of the kind of world that we're living in a world of like magic and fantasy, um, but where there's this, those sort of, um, classic uh, setups of murder and uh, lost characters and um, jilted lovers and this p i jenner is is being sent to these various uh, cases and in what you know one thing I love is that that I'm really used to comics working with arcs and with stories there's a little bit of a background arc but there's also an issue by issue sort of each issue has its own procedural case in the feeling of you know in, in that vibe of so many procedural TV shows um it was a lot of fun. I mean, within that 30-ish pages, right, is a setup and a, and a mystery and a resolution of some kind, um, and I think just rarely done these days in comics, and I really enjoyed it. Um, add to that that the um, art was just, like again, luscious to look at, um, really uh, distinctive. Um, the world that they created, uh, really appealing. Uh, I just liked Fair Lady a lot, and I wish it was still around and uh, maybe it'll, it'll come back, so get out there and, and pick up Fair Lady. Um, so that was my number five and six, Criminal and Fair Lady, both out from Image Comics. My seven and eight are actually also from Image, um, and they are two books that um, stand out to me because their stories are good, they're written by um, really able writers, but I really gotta say that for both of these issues, it's really the art that has stolen that has sort of won me over to them. Um, one is maybe my favorite thing that I've been reading for the last couple of years, and I think only four or five issues came out in this last year, um, but it's Isola by Brendan Fletcher um, with art by the inimitable Carl Kerschel um, with colors by, um, and this is I think a, a pen name or a, an artist name, so I, I, for, I haven't looked up um, the, their, their uh, uh, other name, <laughs> but it's M- Misesic, I believe. Um, and letters by Aditya Bidikar. Um Isola is amazing um, it is gorgeous and it's a series that um, uh, came out a couple years ago, introduced us to a pair of characters at its center, uh, one of whom is a, a sort of a, a queen 's guard um, named of rook uh, a, a, a an ex soldier who is um, you know conscripted to become uh, the, the royal guard um, and is accompanying her queen to whom she has a fierce devotion but also a tricky relationship a complex relationship um, and that queen, Olwyn, is the queen of um, whatever this 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 city, this kingdom or whatever but at the beginning of Isola we have found out that Olwyn has been transformed by some kind of magic into a tiger and then we get to see Carl Kirschel's amazing um, you know, animal and fantastic creature art. Um, Kershaw is the kind of artist whose work I could just stare at for days. Uh, combined with um amazing colors, uh, Isola is absolutely gorgeous. It's the kind of book that you just open, uh, open it and drink it in. Um, I don't think there's a book that I spent more time on just sitting in its pages, like you know figured out what was going on very easily because the, 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 the storytelling is uh, uber uber capable. Um, there's a, a quality that you only see in I think the best kind of like Disney animation and all that kind of stuff to this art. Um, but also using the tools and the, the conventions of comics um, incredibly well um, and yet yeah, it's just utterly beautiful. Pages that, again, I just could stare at and get lost in for days. Um, I've seen a lot of comparisons in in writing about it to Miyazaki and to that Studio Ghibli kind of vibe. Um, I can see that. I think that the the fantasy world that feels really sprawling um, is is promising. The story is really compelling. I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know the mysteries that have been unlocked. And, and I like it so much that I read it every month. And then I go back and try to, I've reread it like a hundred times just to catch up every time to this story and still don't know what's going on. And You know, my, my, my hope is that the book is um, able to finish its story, is able to kind of continue to build out this world and carry out where it's going. Um, whatever amount we get and whatever it's, Headed for or destined to become. It is just a ride that I um, thoroughly enjoy as I read um, because, as I said and as I keep saying, it's gorgeous. So, <laughs> if you have not given yourself the um, pleasure of reading Isla, please, I entreat you to. Um, maybe my honorable mention with Isla is this thing that is continuing to be this ongoing, amazing, uh, you know, similar kind of fantasy story that is its treat and is also really rich and deep, um, and that's Monstrous. Um, Marjorie Liu and Son of Takeda is Monstrous. That book is an achievement and a feat. Um, I just uh, didn't include it on the list because I think it will wind up on future lists, uh, maybe even that best of the of the, of the decade list, um, but we'll, we'll hold off on that for now. Anyway, Isola is number seven, and number eight, and oh by the way, these numbers are not in order of, uh, of which one is my favorite. It's just a just a list of 10. <laughs> but number eight along similar lines, but instead of fantasy, we're, we're kind of more of an, in a sci-fi realm, but where the story beats and, and elements are f- pretty familiar to the genre, but I think that there's something really um, extra, something really double that the art does, um, is Sea of Stars. And Sea of Stars is uh, written by Jason Aaron, um, one of my favorite comics writers. Uh, along with, uh, uh, written also by, um, by Dennis Hallam, he used to be known as Dennis Hopeless in the industry, and um, drawn by Stephen Green, and Stephen Green is an artist who, I think some folks around comics knew about, but um, is, uh, is also new to many of us, and um, really burst onto the scene with um, Sea of Stars for, for me, um, because I saw the first issue of this book, and I said, wow, this is a gorgeous book. Um, sea of stars is a kind of it's kind of like a finding Nemo in space type of story. Uh, there's a father and son and the father is a like a sort of a space truck driver you know and 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 drags son along for a ride um, a trans universe <laughs> you know a uh, 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 haul and and then they're attacked and they and they uh, you know the ship falls apart, father and son get separated and they're uh, you know searching through the the galaxies. To find each other, um, it's this Gil and Caden, and Caden, the little kid, starts suddenly exhibiting some kind of strange powers, and seems to be destined to be something or other, and accumulates a bunch of quirky alienish friends, and, uh, and you know, and again, in a Finding Nemo kind of situation, and so um, father and son, that's always gonna pull at my heartstrings, looking for each other, um, and again, I think there's a lot of elements that they mix together really well again another of uh, that that sort of um unexpected who knows what's going on and what kind of world this is feel that you get from Miyazaki and that is Isola has also given us um but that um has is just really anchored by um Stephen Green's art so i highly recommend Steve's Sea of Stars i think the first collected edition is coming out soon but the five individual issues have um are are out there in the world for you to check out so that's my number 7 and 8. Finally, the last two series that I want to recommend that are among my favorites of this year are Invisible Kingdom from Dark Horse, written by G. Willow Wilson with art by uh, the, the incredible Christian Ward. And then uh, I'll save number 10. <laughs> Let me talk about Invisible Kingdom. Uh, now, G. Willow Wilson is the writer and creator of um, one of the creators of Ms. Marvel and has also been putting lending her writing to um, Wonder Woman lately at DC. Um, but I think the remarkable uh, series for me that she's been working on since leaving Miss Marvel has been Invisible Kingdom. Uh, Invisible Kingdom comes from Dark Horse, and it's in um, Karen Berger's line of Berger books. Karen Berger is, of course, uh, Verti- one of Vertigo's uh, founders and editors and stuff like that. And so um, I feel like Invisible Kingdom is one of those books that isn't, you know not necessarily typical vertigo but could easily make a home as a you know as an interesting and eccentric piece uh, in the vertigo line and um and so here it is at uh at burger books it tells a story of um uh, uh, uh two main characters each of whom are um a little bit out of sorts with their respective sectors of society because it's really a tale about the mm, the uh uh uneasy relationship and in some ways the sort of um, ominous and dark um, under, uh, you know, uh, under the table connections between the religious establishment, a kind of religious establishment, one of the characters is a nun who joins a convent who's part of the, this, you know, space society's religion, um, and uh, a corporation, uh, a dominant corporation called Lux, which, you know, Amazon-like has sort of taken over everything for everyone. And uh, Lux has a, um, you know, a fleet, a giant fleet of delivery people for its its uh, cargo, and one of them is the other main character. And these two characters wind up um, finding out in their respective sectors about some of this corruption, this um, under the table relationship between the religion and um, and commerce and capitalism, and they uh, are each uh, then. Uh, in a in a bad spot, you know, uh, having discovered these secrets, and then have to come to rely on each other to to figure things out and to go on the run. Um, Christian Ward, if y'all don't know, is the artist of Black Bolt and Odyssey, and has this way of of you know um, using digital sort of paint like style to introduce these colors that have this um, they they kind of vibrate with energy uh, next to each other. Um, and uh, there's just this great uh, effect of Ward's color art that makes this book just feel alive with tension and energy. I love it. Um, and G. Willow Wilson has always been able to write um, so deftly, I think, about, uh, about religion and politics and society. And Invisible Kingdom treats us to that. Um, now in its second arc, um, you can get the first one in, in trade paperback uh, Invisible Kingdom, one of my favorites of the year. Uh, finally, um, and last but not least, um, is a book from Dynamite, and I gotta say, I'm not usually a big reader of Dynamite's comics, but, um, this last year, uh, Red Sonja, again, a character who, I guess I've read a lot of Red Sonia before, but I've been surprised, uh, when I've liked it, because just from the Conan-ish cover, you know, context, and the, the sort of scantily clad warrior princess woman thing is not really my thing. Uh, I think I, I I thought, but um but this time Red Sonia this series this year has been in the hands of writer Mark Russell who is known for um, his work on the Flintstones and um, you know a, a bunch of other comics that have brought kind of satire to traditional comic book issue work that um you know uh, either a satirical or sharply um you know political uh, and, and and humorous or clever um kind of tone to a lot of these stories and so um last year i think mark russell and an artist named bob q um collaborated and i think q is for quinn i think that's right could be wrong about that collaborated on a lone ranger series from uh from Dynamite that sort of surprised everyone with how how good it was, and uh, not that things from Dynamite aren't ever good. I, I'm, I hear they do some great James Bond books and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't read any Vampirella, um, but I think that um, this Red Sonia series set us up with a Sonia who is responsible, has, you know saddled with the responsibility of finding out um, that the the kingdom to which she is um, an inheritor as a queen. Uh, is in trouble because once again like with so many of these books that i 've named, there is an empire, and that empire seeks uh now to be to to conquer and to spread and to take over um the kingdom that Sonya has been given charge over, and now, as a returning uh princess queen uh she has to lead a bunch of people uh soldiers who are you know not that great and outwit. Um, this empire and its and its ruler um, and its armies and the ways that um, uh, Mark Russell writes Sonia as capable as um, in spite of herself trusting and caring um, but as super tough and super smart as a kind of military strategist and all that kind of stuff as well as a leader of people's um, is just really, really fun. It's it, you know, Red Sonja is always been appealing because she has a like a little bit of a like I don't give an F, you know, kind of um toughness to her. Um, where she uh, you know, really really um bows to no uh, arbitrary order but really does authentically and genuinely care about people and want to protect people and to see that play out um in this story and in the in the ways that she um you know has to devise, you know, different uh, strategies and schemes to, to try to keep her people safe um, and to really uh, fight these impossible odds of this empire. I think Red Sonia delivers on the promise of a lot of these kinds of stories that we've seen in comics over these years um, and delivers on it because, um, you know, it's it's not too wrapped up in itself. I think um, Mark Russell is just a smart writer um, and Bob Q's art has uh, has really served that story really, really well. So. Uh, Again, if you had asked me at the beginning of uh, the year or in 2018 what I would predict my series, my favorite series of 2019 to be, I can guarantee you Red Sonja would not be on the list and yet here it is. Um, So those are my top 10, Giant Days, Paper Girls, Black Panther, Batman Universe, Fair Lady, Criminal, Isola, Sea of Stars, Invisible Kingdom, and Red Sonja. Um, I noticed about my own list that definitely have a predilection for series whose art um, is as glorious as its story and I think that comes from a place where I've I'm I'm reading often so many comics that um, you know there's only so much cleverness you can bring to a story Um, and sometimes if there's a lot of cleverness in the story but it's not matched to me by something appealing to look at I guess I kind of feel a little bit like why am I reading this as a comic (laughs) To be honest, and so you know, there's a lot of good stuff this year, and and Stephanie Hans's art on Die with the you know written by Karen Killen is looks really great and stuff. But I, I, I think that's these are ones where the notes of the, the sort of particular um, aesthetics of the artists um, really hit for me. Um, but I should get to those honorable mentions. So uh, Marvel had a lot of stuff. <laughs> Marvel always has a lot of comics. Um, I somehow made this list without um, listing Hoxbox, um, House of X and Powers of X by Jonathan Hickman, and the Hickman um, revival of the X-Men line uh, is notable. In fact, I, I think it's the notable thing of co- in comics, um, especially single-issue comics, especially direct market comics this year. Um, but because they were two series that are one series or whatever his formulation was, I, uh, I just couldn't do both of them and I didn't feel it right putting them as one series. I just left them off altogether <laughs> and uh, just leave this spot here to acknowledge that um, House of X, Powers of X, and then now this, this Dawn of X is probably the most significant event in uh, in in mainstream um, comics this year. Uh, but Hickman, Pepe Raz, RB Silva, the artists, and of course the whole creative teams on um, those are to be, um, you know, to be hat tipped. Um, I've also really loved Ironheart by Eve Ewing, uh, written by Eve Ewing, who, uh, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, Eve Ewing is an education, um, education scholar. Um, and just, uh, again, another super sharp social critic, um, whose Twitter feed is, um, an education <laughs> and, uh, I love Eve Ewing's writing, uh, or even her book, her her writing about Chicago schools. Um, And she's actually brought a lot of those themes and concerns to Ironheart. Um, I would love to talk more about Ironheart, and it just wrapped up 12 issues of that run. Um, So Ironheart was very, very close to bumping something else on my list and and forcing its way there, Um, and probably the closest, the next closest thing um, after the series I named. other Marvel things existed, <laughs> um, as the like the aforementioned Squirrel Girl. Um, from DC, I said a little bit earlier that um, Doom Patrol has been back, um, has been Young Animals. Uh, I think one of its remaining contributions, along with uh, is it Collapser, Is that Young Animal or is that Vertigo? I think it's young animal. Anyway, uh, Doom Patrol Way to the World um, by Gerard Way and um, man, blanking on that artist. Um, but doing a, a, a serviceable job um, of filling some very uh, big shoes um, in Nick Darrington's art. Um, but I've, I think that same quirkiness of Doom Patrol um, has really um, been brought back. It's back. And it's, uh, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's back and it's good again. <laughs> so Doom Patrol Way to the World is another recommendation of mine. Um, I have also really loved Mac Fraction and Steve Lieber's Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. Been hilarious a series, um, and I think I think that um, if I didn't have uh, so much of my laughs accounted for by Giant Days, and maybe by Red Sonia to some extent, maybe by Batman Universe to some extent, I probably would have had to make room for Jimmy Olsen, but uh, maybe I'll be able to throw that into next year's favorites list because I think the majority of that, I think it's projected as a 12-issue series, going to wind up coming next year. Speaking of things that will wind up mostly coming next year, I also was really enthusiastic about the opening issue of Far Sector by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell, and also the opening of three issues-ish of Superman Smashes the Clan by Gene Luen Yang and Guru Hero. Um, some of those other DC graphic novels I'll talk about in the Graphic Novels of the Year uh, episode next week. Uh, sorry, two weeks from now. Um, but um, just because they're kind of in the ambiguous space that Superman Smashes the Clan, which is going to be a three-volume sort of like, you know, uh, undersized and oversized. Undersized and over-length <laughs> series um, from Gene Luen Yang and Guri Hiro. Um, that first issue, man, so good. Um, Superman Smashes the Clan, if you haven't read that, uh, gotta go pick that up. I think that's going to be a, a great gift um, for, for readers as well. Um, but Far Sector, and um, sci-fi writer N.K. Jemisin, um, and one of my favorite artists this year, Jamal Campbell, um, really bringing it as well. Uh, very good stuff. So those were some of my honorable mentions. Um, Sarah and the Royal Stars um, by John Sui and Audrey Mock, and others from Vault was another favorite this year. I want to honorably honorably mentioned that as well <laughs> i'm sure i'm leaving something out but um you know let me know let me know what i forgot or let me know what i um criminally ignored not criminal but um but really shouldn't have overlooked um you can find me on twitter at two ply and uh instagram as well find us at facebook um although i never update the facebook sorry about that folks and uh you, or you can email me at two at gmail.com um uh, thanks Thanks for listening and I want to know what you all think as well. So meanwhile, enjoy your winter season. Take care.